Hey guys, this is Neil Crawford with the Inside Scoop, also the founder of Anytime Soccer Training. I'm sitting down with a parent who happens to be a coach as well, uh, who is living in Italy at the moment by the name of Chris. And Chris, I'm going to let you uh, pronounce your last name so I don't completely butcher it. And we're just having a um, fireside Zoom chat. Uh, he reached out to me. He has a young child and he sort of, he has a lot of experience in, from the coaching space, but um, just thinking about sort of what type of parent he wants to be as it relates to introducing the game to his child. And we're just having a deep conversation about some of the things I've learned, some of the things he's learned in the perspective. And I thought, you know what, this is so good. Let's just get on tape and see where it goes. So Chris, so when we were talking before, I, I told you some of the inspiration behind why I created Inside Scoop. And I said I wanted to have these nuanced conversations of, uh, I'm going to call it the, the, a modern role that parents can play that is, um, that is a more positive way to support their child without all of the baggage that normally comes with the stereotypical child parent who pushes their child too hard in the game. But... I and then I'm, I want to hear your opinion, but I do walk on eggshells with giving this advice because there are real problems. You don't have to go very far of, of parents pushing their kids too far, stressing their kids out um, or uh, pushing their kids to the edge or making their child's identity so wrapped up in the sport that the child is afraid to tell the parent. They don't want to do it anymore. They're going to let them down. And so just thinking about that balance. And I just did a podcast um, yesterday, actually, where I was pretty hard on our parents saying, you know, what I, what I recommend is focusing on a very specific thing and narrowing your focus to that. Because when you get into um, the areas that the coach uh, and the teams work in, that can be a combustible recipe for disaster. And so I'm going to hand it over to you, but that the purpose of that podcast that I was pretty hard on our parents was, listen, guys, you can't do everything. So you can't be the coach in the, in the traditional sense of the coach. I think you'd be better served with a, some specific stuff that I'll talk to you about uh, later. And that is actually one way and it's a rather rather crude way of ring fencing some of the booby traps that so many of our parents uh uh fall into so i'm talking kind of cryptic but when you listen to the podcast it'll make a little bit more sense so chris introduce yourself and let's uh let's chat yeah so my name is uh chris kadogan and i've kind of traveled all across the u.s with uh my my wife's job and then my job a little bit in my education. And now I'm currently in Naples, Italy, um, where I've just got involved with a club here on base called uh, ASC Napoli. Um, and I'm the director of coaching, which is a new role for me, but um, I just trying to, I saw your content on Facebook and I, I dug a little bit deeper and I saw the value that it could provide not only to um, the kids that I coach, but also potentially the parents that coach them and want to help their kids get better. Because there's a lot of parents that have 
in my opinion, a desire to help their kids that maybe don't always necessarily know how to. Um, and so I think that there's, there's a good opportunity here with this information for it to be a good resource for them. Um, now, whether or not that is something parents want to take on, I think that's going to be up to them. But I want to be able to provide this to them and say, hey, you know, you, you've asked me what, what my kid can do to get better. And as a coach, I see these things. But at the fundamental level, these are things that they can do 5, 10, 20 minutes before practice, after practice, two or three times a week. And you'll, you will see a huge amount of improvement um, just in that way. And I think I was mentioning you a little bit about kind of my evolution as a coach. I started coaching when I graduated college. I was about 22. Okay. And the first place that I coached when I was in North Carolina was a place called Next Level Academy. And it was highly, highly focused on just technical skill development. So um, in Mooresville? Yeah. Wow, small world. Because that's where I live. You Did you know that? I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, my boys attended Next Level. Yeah. So um, in the podcast, when you get there, you're going to hear me one day mention that they do uh, all the different things they do. And one of them I mentioned, I didn't mention it by name, was a technical group thing. And I kind of looked at it as some technical stuff, but they were with their friends. So they found it a little bit more enjoyable than if it was just with me. Mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. yeah. And then when I moved to uh, Seattle, <clears throat> there was this big focus on Curver. And when I started doing that, I coached with Curver, then I coached the club I was at, and I used a ton of that stuff, like a lot of like skill work because it had been really reinforced when I was in North Carolina and I saw the benefit of it from like these really young kids doing it up to, I think they go through U11 and then kids graduate out and then they can do a, a, a program from U12 and up. But anyway, like it, it left an impact with me that this is a, this is a great way to help develop kids and what they can do from a technical side. It didn't always address the tactical side of it and some of the other components, but it really reinforced and honed my ability to coach technique and, and, the, and saw the value in it. Um, yeah. yeah, so I can't wait to you. So guys, to give you the backstory, Chris reached out to me and he has a very young child, two years old, and he's, and he's doing exactly what I did, which was to a degree, he's a little bit ahead of me because he has a soccer background. But before my boys were old enough to really get hardcore into soccer, I did start thinking about a little bit sort of what role sport was going to play in them, in their, in their life, and then how I could help in a positive way. But then it hit me like a, um, it hit me like a lightning bolt when my son first started playing the equivalent of travel soccer. Now I wasn't sure about what travel soccer was all about, but when he did, I saw his skills were a lot further behind his other other kids and I saw immediately uh that wait a minute if I don't if I don't support him if I don't effectively train him he'll never catch up with these little guys and there was a lot more going on there um but I just knew he wasn't going to catch up and I figured if I can help him not only will he catch up but he'll have more confidence and have more skill and like 99% of the parents who want to do this stuff I go on YouTube I hire people, I do this and I do that. But in the early days, I did not have a system where he could train and I could work with him. And it wasn't so much dad constantly giving instructions, dad constantly saying, do this, dad, not micromanaging. 
And it hit me that, wow, if I'm going to do this with him long term, I have to do it in a way where he has his own autonomy. And I'm almost like a, um, a guy, you know, and I try to support from a distance. And, that, and that, it gets a little complicated. I don't know if I'm going to explain it as well as I can in the podcast. I talk about it. But I wanted him to own his own training, even at a young age, and give him that space. And so the only thing I was really doing was setting up the routines. And so then what that looked like um, in the early days is I would look at resources like Curver. Uh, I listened to a lot of Tom Byer stuff. And there's another guy that was very influential in my uh, uh, thinking, uh, Coach Z. He had this really good YouTube series where he kind of broke down what you needed to do. I'll share that uh, video and in that series. But in that, that series was the most influential because Coach Z said, he was talking to coaches, but he said, listen, guys, you can get um, 1,000 or 10,000, I can't remember the number, touches in the first 15 minutes of practice if you use these stations that I'm telling you about. And his whole argument was you can get these touches so quick that it doesn't disrupt from your tactical uh, training that you do later. And I took that as the parent and as formula formulating my own uh, uh, role that I was going to play in my son's uh, soccer. I took that to say, boy, if I can give my sons those touches before practice and then I start doing the math, that will end up to that will end up being 30, 40, 50 hours of additional touches on the ball. And then it goes back to the whole Mamba speech. And by doing that, cumulatively, no one else can deal with you because you're just going to be so much more technical. But then I realized, wait a minute, though. I can't. This is not about I don't want my son to believe that this is about soccer. Because quite frankly, it's more than likely they're not going to want to do soccer, you know, as adults, not at a competitive level. So I don't want him to think all that we're doing is about soccer. And so the way my mind works was saying, okay, I need to uh, deliver this, this information to him uh, in a way in, in, under the umbrella of sort of how we think about a growth mindset. And then how we just think about timeless habits right? It may not be a big category, timeless habits that make you successful in regardless of what you do. So when I, so I came up with a strategy with my son, I haven't done this podcast, but part of the, the there's an overarching, sorry, there's an overarching goal. And then there, there's an overarching strategy. And then there are key objectives and, and tactics. And one of the, two of the objectives says tactics was you have to use idle time wisely, right? So on the car ride to and from to the games or to the practice, not necessarily for coming back, but definitely on the car ride to practice, we read. Why? Because you're going to spend so much time training compared to other kids that you need to use this idle time wisely. If we're waiting on the bus when he was younger, um, when we were waiting on the bus, I would do like five minutes with him. Again, why? Because the five minutes you're sitting here doing nothing, we can just go ahead and do something you're going to get these touches and i'll explain to him how that worked and he was young enough to where like tom buyer said he just wanted to please me and he just rolled with the punches but and but i had to not exploit that trust in that it's yelling at him and all that kind of stuff and then 
it went to, okay, if you have an hour to give the coach, then you got 15 minutes that you can give dad. Or if you got an hour, you're going to give them an hour and a half. You got 15 minutes to give dad. But it, it, it grew into, and you'll hear this in the podcast, that you're not, you're not giving dad money. I mean, you're not, you're not investing in dad by doing this. You're paying yourself first, right? Because your, your development starts with you. Dad is helping you now. Yes, dad is forcing you a bit. I know you don't want to do it. But eventually, you're going to see the benefit. And you're actually going to find it strange to arrive somewhere not prepared. And we're just using soccer to do that. So those are a few of the things that um, I talk about in the podcast, but what, but the way that has the stereotypes around that kind of stuff is, oh, you're pushing your kid too much. Oh, you're going to burn them out. And here's the thing, Chris, that can, that can happen. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I worry about this all the time, right? Like I have to, I check, I check, I check on them. They're young. Of course they want to please me. They're not going to say anything yet. I think about it all the time. But I do think there's a big difference between, um, you know, I'll just say Michael Jackson's dad, Joe Jackson, and nothing. So right. a lot of people want to tell you to do nothing. That's one extreme. And I think that actually sends a message. And then there's the other extreme of, you know, pick the stereotype of soccer dad's, the Serena Williams's father, where you're just, you know, all in. Even though his small accounts, his relationship with them were very positive, but you get my point. Like people think that you have to do extremes, but there's another group of people out there who are saying, I may not be extreme, but 15 minutes can go a long way. Right. Yeah. All right. So what do you think? Uh, sorry. What do I think about what? So I was just going to say, you can just respond or just, or whatever. Oh, so uh not to go too far off on a tangent but i think uh joe jackson and serena williams dad were like also in a different financial circumstance and that was kind of part of some of their motivation but yeah joe jackson was way way off into like the realm of like nowhere i want to be with my kid um i do think nothing is not the example i want to have either and i think when you talked when in the podcast that you sent me about uh how you layered it in for them 15 minutes before and sometimes 15 minutes after and you wanted to do it on the days that they were already training so it wasn't like an added mental or physical um baggage to what they were already doing that i think it's hard to be like oh you're going to burn them out because it's something that they're already about to do and this is going to help them if they want to get better at soccer this is going to help them practice better because they're going to be warm they're going to have these touches and it's going to be able to mentally physically prepare them for what they're about to do next and then they get there and the, the the practice starts and then they're already ready to go and they get even more opportunity to learn and grow with someone who's a professional in that environment uh, depending on the level of course that you're playing in so i think that it's and this goes back to everything i'm even like if you're coaching a team like it goes back to what is the individual needs of that parent and, and player so for you, this is a system that works for you and your family and your kids because of the buy-in that you've gotten from them to get them to this point. And to me, it sounds like a good opportunity right now before I even get to a level where, oh man, he's already behind the eight ball because he hasn't taken any steps that I can think of how I want to uh, deliver it to my kid, whether it's with soccer. I know my wife is, really wants him to play like an instrument, really wants him to do you know, learn another language and this can 
go beyond just soccer. And so this is a good opportunity for me in both of those areas to, to think about how I can deliver other things to him. Um, yeah. And let me, and let me throw something out else at you so the advice that i'm giving and the advice that i'm trying to give first of all i i say in my podcast if you agree with uh, everything i say 100 percent, and you'll see you'll see when you read listen to the rest of the podcast i have i'm not doing something right right i'm not being authentic so i uh, i am you know i listen to so much content and they're so general that of course yeah of course your kids should have fun you know so that's number right. one the second thing is this advice that I'm giving and the content that I'm sharing is definitely not for every parent to execute. And the reason that it's not for every parent to execute is it because it's because it depends a lot on the role that you want soccer in this case to play in that child's life. So for example, my sons play basketball and flag football, but for at a recreational level. And I say in the podcast, I don't frame basketball and flag football in the way that I frame soccer to them. It is an outlet. It is 100% fun. I, the basketball team, they, one of my son plays on the rec one. It's a Catholic league, very nice, very uh, welcoming. I drop them off. He does his practice and I enjoy it. And it's actually a release from the ultra competitive environment that he's in, in soccer. In the flag football, he just loves it. We're in America, the kids play and I'm the coach. And that's an opportunity for me to coach my son, but in a way that's not so competitive, right? But the problem I have, I saw very early on with many parents is they frame soccer as being at a competitive experience for their child. So let me let me take one more step back to give you uh, to help you understand. So and I explain this in the podcast a lot better. So my child also was in a very uh, not competitive because they don't think about it like that, but intense music program. But I didn't frame music to him as something that was extremely important in terms of you know, you want to make first chair. Oh, you got to really land these notes. Oh, you really have. It was a um, enrichment program that I put him in. But what happens in soccer, especially because of the competitive nature of it, and because it's also something that you can, um, you know, you, you see your child performing every weekend and other people see them. So there's an exposure piece there and judgment piece um, is parents frame this as a being a very competitive environment for their child. And, they, they, and their expectation is their child uh, should excel in it, but they don't support them from a skill perspective and they don't support them from a mental growth perspective to handle this uh, sport that they are framing as important. And so it's almost like you're dropping them into the deep end of the pool without helping them learn how to swim, without talking to them about the dangers of swimming and helping them overcome that. And so I'm rambling a little bit, but I saw early on, if I was gonna put my son in this ultra competitive environment, I needed, I needed to give, give him the toolkit to compete. And that starts with your mind and the skills. And then I understood very early on that the best thing I could do for my son, in addition to helping him develop a growth mindset and develop some individual skills was to put him in a club environment 
and other soccer environments with adults that I trusted and not try to do what they are paid to do. So that's why I don't coach him on the sidelines. That's why I'm not talking to him about why didn't you pass the ball to so-and-so? I don't talk to him about why are you not working so hard on the soccer field? Because I, I, have, I have him in a club environment where they are sending him these messages and he respects their opinion more than, you know, crazy dad. Right. So what do you think? What's your, what's I mean, your again, like, I think I, I'm agreeing with you because there is a why behind what you've been doing. Right. And, and like when you told me about when you mentioned the, the reason that you do the flag football and the basketball at a rec level, it's because like you can drop them off and like there's no you're not so concerned about giving them extra skills to help them be the best that they can be at this because like, that's not what that's for. And as soon as you started saying that, and, and I've, I've seen it over and over again, parents that want their kids to be the best player on the team, top of the state playing for like the national team, but aren't giving things to help them get to that point all the time. Like not giving them the tools to succeed. That would be like me coaching a team and expecting them to, to like win every game, but not helping them develop their individual skills, team concepts, how to play the game better, um, and just showing up on a, on a Saturday and expecting them to do this and then getting really, really pissed off with them because they can't do it because I haven't gotten them to that point to where they, they can do it autonomously, to where they can do it and, and compete and be out there. So from from the little bit that I've heard from the podcast and our conversation, like I do agree with you and I look forward to reading more to see and listening more to see if there is like an avenue where I, I disagree. And it's good to hear from like this parent perspective again, because um, you're saying things about like, I'm paying this coach and this club to do X, Y, and Z. Like I need to step back and let them do their job. And I think that takes a, a high level of trust. And I think there there is not always that trust there between parent and coach for whatever reason and there's tons of reason but for whatever reason it's not there um yeah so yeah. i'm giving you the cliff notes version of my journey by the way so that trust wasn't always there i i i'm sure yeah that's number one so and i and i always and i say this to the parents who are listening to say i am not this perfect soccer dad i lose my temper with my boys we have ups and downs that's actually part of the motivation behind this i have uh, criticize the coach in front of them all those um quintessential mistakes that soccer parents shouldn't do the proverbial car ride home it's just that from a content creator perspective if you will there are a lot of great resources out there that, that discuss this kind of stuff but there aren't as many resources at least i can't i can find that have this sort of slightly more nuanced conversation that says okay now, where do we go from here? And I'm still evolving on this. And my oldest one is 11. Soon, once he becomes a teenager, that's another chapter because then the hormones kick in, then the uh, other interests kick in. Uh, he begins to definitely recognize other gender. There's another gender out there that exists. And so then that's gonna be another set of challenges where I have to evaluate with him do you want to spend four days on the soccer pitch? Because this is the commitment. And I talk about that as well. If I could add anything to the parent education space, um, 
there is, it takes, for me anyways, it took sort of self-reflection, but there's a sweet spot where you can help your child and support your child and what they're doing in the sport and be in the moment, but not expecting some particular long-term outcome. And that is a, a very weird place to be when it comes to, because 99% of the things you do in your life, when you invest a lot of time, your expectation is, I'm going to get a particular outcome. Right. I run every day, I'm expecting to be healthy. I uh, eat healthy, I'm expecting to, be, to lose weight. I um, study for these exams, I'm expecting to make, I'm expecting to get a college degree. But what I'm trying to teach parents is the, 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 um, the learning and the value is actually in the process. Right. I was going to say that, like, you have to have process goals, not outcome goals with, some, with a lot of this. And this is very strange when I talk to people. Because they're like, man, you're investing all this time in this in this sport with your boys and all this. You're doing all this stuff and you're telling me you don't want them to have a uh, college scholarship or you don't want them to go pro. And I'm like and I did a podcast called Dreams versus uh, Expectations. I want what they want for themselves. That's right. number one. And that's going to change. Right. And it's a very difficult thing to say, but that but but to reconcile that you're still going to put the effort in now and the investment in with no, ex no expectation of any return. So you often hear people say, man, you're spending all this money on club soccer. And if you just save that money, they could, you, you could just use it to go to college. You don't need to worry about getting a college scholarship. And that's absolutely true. Like financially, it makes zero sense to put your kid in American club soccer. If, if you're doing that because you're trying to get a financial return in the form of a scholarship. Right. Now, not getting into anybody's particular financial situation, but really it's not about the money in the sense of I'm expecting some return on this investment. It's I'm doing this as part of a, because this is something I want to do with my children. And it, it just comes with this particular price tag. Yeah. All right. So we rambled on and we're going to wrap this up. I just wanted people to overhear our conversation. This is an authentic. I just met you, Chris. So this is an authentic conversation and you, and you hit me with such good perspective that I said, you know what, let's keep the camera rolling. I'm going to post this into the podcast. There's no particular um, objective for this conversation. It's just to hear parent, two parents and also your uh, director of coaching who are thinking about this stuff and formulating it. And then what I want, what I want others to hear from this conversation is even the most opinionated among us, in this case, me, haven't figured it all out right right so now right before i get let you go i'm gonna invite you on for another show because there's a it's a series i wanted to launch called the perfect soccer parent and that series was interviewing directors of coaching and coaches about if you could wave a magic wand and us dumb parents did exactly what you wanted us to do on the pitch and off the pitch what with that what what behaviors would you see in a lot of detail and then and this is my rub and my pet pet pee and how do those recommendations how do you reconcile those recommendations with some timeless truths that we know to be true so let me give you an example when i invite you back on 
it's not uncommon for a coach to say, um, or people in this education space to say, I just want you to just just watch them play. Just just love them. Watch them play. Don't don't do anything with them. That's why you got the coach. And I'm not criticizing these people because as a matter of fact, that's probably some great advice for about 90% of the population. Anyway, just just watch them play. Let, let this stuff happen organically. But what they don't do is they don't reconcile that with timeless truths that we understand to be true, which is the more time I spend on something, the more likely it is that I'm going to be better at this thing. Yes, they're diminishing returns, but, and yes, you got to be developmentally appropriate, but if, if, if we're preparing for a test and you study for five hours and I study for 10 hours, more than likely I'm going to have more mastery of the content. And so I'm always left with that sort of in the back of my mind, it's just like, yeah, but how do you reconcile that with what we know to be some assumptions that we have? And if, do you have these assumptions? If you don't have these assumptions, you can explain that too. You can say, actually, no, I have coached um, thousands of kids and uh, and the ones who, and there is no correlation between the ones who work with their parents and the ones who don't in terms of skill acquisition. And I mean, I don't have a view on it, but I'm just saying the show is going to be about you. I'm going to have a list of questions. You telling us Monday through Sunday, what do you want us to be doing? What do you want us to be saying to our kids? How do you want us to behave? And how do you want us to interact with our coaches? Yeah. So I'll give I you the last that, word on this. Yeah, I think that, like, there's so many factors that could play into that, right? Because, like, you as a parent could have whatever level of understanding uh, of the game, experience playing the game, different, like, little nuggets that you could give to a kid with that. Um, it could differ from coach to coach what their level of experience in coaching and playing is as well. I mean, I think that's a that's a great, like – conversation starter to to where like it would really open up a lot of different perspectives and i have a few of my own that i'd be interested to to share and it, you could probably change my mind on some of it but you know i think that's a good like man that made me think as you were saying it like what i would say to, to that what do i what what could i what would i want from every parent if i could have ultimate say and what they say and do um that's a lot of like power and control yeah so and i, I don't promise i'll let you go this so I actually said this in a podcast. A lot of the stuff I talk about in the show, I didn't think about before I had to do the shows in this level of detail. As a matter of fact, it seems weird. Like I don't sit around on my couch pondering the role that I'm going to play in my son's soccer. But when I started doing a podcast, I had to think about every detail. And so that's another thing that happens. You'll go back to the lab and say, okay, I didn't really think about this in this level of detail. But if you if I had to write an essay on it, this these would be sort of my expectations. These would be my my framework. And I actually think the answer is going to be a framework that we're going to develop. Here are the big building blocks. And then the details, you know, you're going to have to, again, work out on a local level with each individual family. Because I am in two minds and I'll leave it. I am two minds with the. Um, tension between the coaches and the parents and the perspectives of both because I've been on both sides of the fence and oh god dealing with parents how a parent dealing with me forget about the rest of the parents can be very hard and it's just probably so much easier to just be like do no harm just do no harm 
So, uh, so I understand that as well. Yeah. I don't know. Some of the best advice I got was don't take it so personally. Like as a coach, some of the best advice I got was like, don't take it so personally when, when like parents have their opinion and say, say some of the things that they say, because yeah, sometimes it gets personal. Sometimes it's, you know, whatever it may be, but if you, as a, as an adult and a person try and keep things in perspective, like he's thinking about his kid, blah, 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 then, you know, things are a little bit easier, but it can be tough, but I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't think it was something that I was getting better with in terms of managing parents and like coaching the game and something that I didn't enjoy. So. All right, guys. So you guys heard a zoom fireside chat. This is, I'm going to publish this in the podcast. There's no particular objective, but I think it's actually a good podcast to follow up the one um, I just released. Cause I was pretty hard on my parents. So I want them to know I do love them. And I do think about this stuff. <laughs> and it's going to be and i'm going to invite you on to be the first guest when we have uh, time and i'm going to write out some questions on what i'm calling the perfect and even the name you know the name is just i'm just doing that because there's no such thing as the perfect soccer parent yeah. right so i'm already okay. in the name i'm letting you know that there's no way we're going to achieve this <laughs> right but i'm going to publish this series called the perfect soccer parent and i want to hear from our coaches and direct their coaches on what they want us crazy crazy parents to be doing thinking and not and more importantly probably not doing yeah awesome i can't all wait. right talk to you later all right have a good one